Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, sitting in the studios of the University of Notre Dame. And sitting across from me in his home studio in Portland, Oregon, is the man who not once, but twice, turned down the role of Zeus in the movie versions of Clash of the Titans. The first time, of course, in 1980, (laughs) giving the job to the great Sir Laurence Olivier. And the second time, uh, just in 2010, to Liam Neeson. But enough about those guys. Sitting across from me is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> hey, Ken. How you doing? Twice you, uh, you were yeah, invited to movies. be twice invited to be king of the gods, and yet you, of course, being a, a devotee of the one true God, turned down this uh, this invitation. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of felt it was like kind of like idolatry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who am I to play a god, you know? <laughs> so, Remember I thought the... it might be scandalous given the fact that I'm deacon and all that stuff. So I said, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass. Sorry, guys. Remember thou art mortal. <laughs> Remember thou art yes, mortal. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I am dust and to dust I shall return. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's really funny because it's if I remember right in the story, you know, popes take names. Uh, they they take new names when they are elected pope. And this has been a tradition for stretching back to, I think, the fourth or fifth century. And if I remember right, the first to change his name was a, a man whose birth name was Mercury. And he did not think that it was right for the Catholic pope to have the name of a Roman god. And so he changed his name to uh, the name of, uh, of a Christian saint. Uh, and so much, oh, like, much like you, deacon, as a deacon, uh, configured to Christ, not wanting to play the role of Zeus, we don't have a Pope Mercury. So there you have it. Yeah, there you go. Because, right, those early popes, those are their actual names. Yeah, Linus, think about that. Cletus, Clement. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all their, their yeah names. yeah that's right those are the real names I didn't think about that yeah. yeah that's that's good to know it's very informative Ken thank you for that <laughs> see that's why you tune in here to Living Stones uh, to get uh, to get semi half remembered facts and uh, some interesting <laughs> trivia. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deacon, we have been oh, chatting man. about the Holy Spirit. So here we can actually chat about quality stuff. But, oh, I wanted to say, this is a wonderful week in, in the church, by the way, in terms of kind of saints and, and our the way the church year kind of progresses and holds up to us great heroes and great, um, you know, saints who've lived their Christian lives in ways that we can imitate. And we're in a really good part of the church year for that. Just last week, we actually had the guardian angels, you know, uh, and so uh, the the angels that, that kind of accompany us, that Christ tells us about. I mean, Christ affirms when he says, when he talks about, you know, the, the children, he says, I, I assure you that they're angels in heaven behold the, the face of God. I mean, he affirms that we have angels that walk with us and that are interceding for us and are, in a way, grace acting in our lives, too, to urge us. When you get that little thought, maybe I shouldn't do X, Y, or Z, you know, it's your angel who's helping you out. But this week, we also have the wonderful, the mo- one of the most beloved of saints in the Western Church, and that's St. Francis of Assisi this week. 
Um, and so if you've got a pet, of course, we often think of it's a lot of parishes will do the blessing of the pets on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi because he's well known as a as a lover of creation. Um, but uh, this is a really great way. I think we had like uh, uh, Therese of Lisieux was just a few days ago as well. So yep. really quality time here. Yeah, you know, of course, St. Francis was a deacon. You there know, you go. Uh, the, the, yes. A lot of people think he was a priest because he was a founder of a major religious order. Um, and St. Benedict was not a, a priest. He wasn't a deacon or a priest. He was he was just a brother. But he founded, you know, the Benedictines. And St. Francis, of course, didn't uh, see himself worthy enough for the priesthood. So he remained a, a deacon and, of course, found out one of the greatest a religious orders, mendicant orders in, in the in the church, yeah. uh, with the Franciscans and all the different branches of Franciscans now. Um, but he's the root, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. The Franciscans <laughs> grew from the from the roots of uh, Francis. Francis, the you know? and of course Saint Clair, you know, is uh, the and, great and, foundress. And your yeah, the foundress, and you know, it's, you've been to Assisi before, haven't you? Not only have I been to Assisi a couple times, I will be in Assisi in just like ten days. Ah, so I'm really, okay. yeah, this is this is a perfect yeah. time of year. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Yeah, and what's beautiful, you know, France, the Church of Saint Francis and the Church of Saint Clair bookend yes. both ends of Assisi. You know, so that's what's so so awesome. You get to see both, and of course, the San Damiano Cross, which is the in the Church of Saint Clair. That's right, not in the Church of Saint Francis. And at one, I got a chance to pray vespers in the tomb of uh, St. Francis. As did which was I, awesome. actually. As, yeah. yeah, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And um, you know, one thing I took solace in was that how short he was. Because his tomb's not very big. No, and I'm like, not. oh, this dude was short like me. <laughs> <laughs> All of us can take great joy in that. Absolutely. I remember yeah. uh, the first time that I visited uh, Assisi, it was right after the 1998 earthquake, and so the great upper church was closed. And uh, but I, so I only got to go pray in the crypt down below, and that's where I prayed uh, vespers with the uh, with the friars gathered around the tomb of Saint Francis. But then the next time that I went to Assisi, um, the upper church had been restored, and that's when I finally mm-hmm. got to go in and see the beautiful frescoes by Giotto, which oh, are which yeah. are so famous. You know, the image of of uh, Francis lifting up, holding up the church by the corner. You know, and and uh, the vision of the of the Pope uh, who approved the the um, order of Francis. You know, of this young friar, this monk holding up the edge of a church. Uh, and so, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful experience. And Assisi is a wonderful town. I mean, of course, it's a classic Italian hilltop town, right? It's surrounded by walls and it's it's way up the hill. And uh, but it's a beautiful little 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 town. And uh, the food is good. The people are lovely. And you get to pray with one of the greatest saints in the history of the church. And then down in the valley below, you've also got the other basilica, right? The basilica that mm-hmm. that um, contains the Portiuncula, the actual chapel that Francis had restored in which he died. And so you actually get a chance to pray where St. Francis was basically conducted to heaven, right there. So it's a beautiful, beautiful trip. If you have a chance to take a pilgrimage, it's it's a wonderful location to travel to. It is. And and the thing is, if you go to a gym, 
you don't have to worry about leg day when you're in a CC. You know, <laughs> all that the hills, the hills up yes. and oh my goodness, man, yeah. your legs will be burning by the time you finish walking through a CC. So <laughs> I, it's funny because you know the uh, my cardiologist wanted me to go take one of those treadmill tests. I said, why don't we do that after I go to a CC so that I'll be in a lot yeah. better shape, you know? But uh, but no. that's right. That's, that's right. But it's worth it. It's worth every oh, step is worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, for the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, as I said, we've been chatting about the Holy Spirit and what better, you know, what better topic to lead into the Holy Spirit than than to have just been chatting about St. Francis, who himself was entirely imbued by the Holy Spirit in his life. As a matter of fact, St. Francis and some of his followers were well known for uh, the concept of the age of the Spirit. This was a kind of a thing that was going on in the in the 12th, 13th century Italy. And St. Francis was himself seen as, as one who inaugurated in many ways, the awareness of the active life of the Holy Spirit among the people. That was one of the things that the mendicant friars were well known for, was by being among the people, preaching by their actions, living out their baptismal and confirmational call to be disciples of the Lord, active disciples. And so we have been chatting about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to pick up our conversation chatting about the the gift of fortitude tonight. Yeah, so we talked about the fear of the Lord. We talked about the gift of piety. And now we're talking about fortitude. And for me, Ken, this virtue is the virtue of our time today. This is the one uh, that, that we need a lot of when we're facing so many attacks against the morals in our culture today. You know, the confusion you know, whether it be with gender or whether it be with marriage or whether it be with uh, human sexuality, with, whether it be against uh, pornography and or human trafficking, sins against the church, the way we hurt each other, you know, the, a lot of the violence that we see. Uh, and, we, and we really need this gift of fortitude to keep on fighting for Catholic principles when everyone else around us is following the crowd, when it's not easy to be Catholic. Yeah. When people are laughing at you because you stand for something greater than themselves. And again, I, I think about this in my experience recently where I, I received some very hateful, very spiteful, very hurtful emails after speaking the truth in love to a group of uh, middle school kids. And and the kids were like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And I, as I was giving a talk, I'm realizing, you know what? These kids haven't heard this before. Like I'm talking about, you know, like boys are actually boys and girls are actually girls and yeah. marriage is a man and a woman and um, a child and a woman is actually a person. And and it's hitting me as I'm looking at their faces like they've not heard these concepts before. So I made sure that I definitely spoke in love. You know, those who are same sex attracted, transgender, those are our brothers and sisters, and we love them with the love of Christ. And if you don't love them with the love of Christ, you cannot call yourself a Catholic, you know, that, those kinds of things. And at the end, they were like, oh, that was great. When are you coming back? But then some of the teachers and some of the parents that were there just were, you know, uh, it was just it was it was it was hurtful. I mean, and, and when you re when you receive things like that, you know, and you have a tendency to focus on the negative. Right. Rather right. Than, rather than the hundreds of other correspondence I get, which is very positive. It's those very few negative ones that that kind of stay with you. You know, and, and I was wondering, God, why am I doing this again? You know, what, well, what, what's the point if people are going to react like this? I, I can see if you don't like what I said, you disagree, let's have a conversation. But to just attack me 
like that and attack the teachings of Jesus. It's just, uh, you know, it's it gets discouraging. This is where the gift of fortitude really kicks in. I'm amazed, as you say, you know, you're you're presenting at the invitation of of a Catholic school, you know, to present and and to speak uh, to young people, and then to to be attacked for that in that context is, wow, blessed are they when they hate you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, as Christ said, you know, blessed are you because the kingdom of heaven is yours. It doesn't, Christ didn't promise that it would be easy. Christ didn't promise that he would make it stop. But instead, what he promised is that great is your reward in the kingdom of heaven. And that our responsibility is to preach the gospel, as St. Paul said, in season and out, right? Yeah, Um, exactly. And that's where this gift of fortitude really comes in. That's where this gift of fortitude, the strengthening by the Holy Spirit to be courageous, to be strengthened. I mean, you know, the word fortiter means uh, strength or courage. And uh, I think uh, often the word fuerte, when I talk about something being being really bold in flavor, I say, oh, that is fuerte. You know, um, it's the same word, you know, fortiter, uh, strength. And this is the one, as you say, it's the virtue that we need most in our time because we are surrounded by people who do not want to hear the truth proclaimed. We are surrounded by people who do not want to hear the gospel They would rather not hear of the reality of sin. They would rather not hear of the reality that we are in a broken world. But the thing is, that's not the end. The end of our message, the end of the gospel message is not it's broken and and we we are sinners. That's not the end. The end is Christ has conquered. Christ has conquered sin. Christ has conquered death. Christ offers forgiveness, reconciliation, and an invitation to the Father's house. That is the end of our message. And so we need to be strong as we're proclaiming the truth, but then we need to also be people who proclaim the hope that we have found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the gospel message, the fullness of the message. We have to be strong in proclaiming the entire message, not just the parts of watch out sinners, but also God loves you, and God wants you to embrace him and to accept his forgiveness. That's the fullness that we need to be strong to proclaim. Yeah, amen. And even in our own personal life, that's true as well. I mean, we can accept a headache, for example, right? Uh, Just take some Tylenol or whatever, and you'll be good. But if we have cancer, we need the spirit of fortitude. Right. Right. We we can, we can, we, we talked about last time, we can, you know, we could deal with being around a difficult person, like in a, in a parish council meeting for an hour or two hours. Right. Right. But if it's for a lifetime, <laughs> we need the gift of fortitude. Right. And like in monastic life or religious life. Right. There's some people you have to live with, like for the rest of your life. You're like, oh, my goodness. What, what am I going to do? You know? Why did but, God but call me to the, these people? <laughs> right. Right. But recognize you're all on the journey together. Right. Right. You're all on. You're all there for the same purpose. You're all there for the same goal. And you, and you have to learn to, to get up. But again, that could be a cross in, in a sense. Right. Yeah. Um, we may be able to accept the misunderstanding for, you know, for a little while. But if it turns into hatred and we're helpless to correct that hatred, then we need the gift of fortitude. 
um, we can accept injustice. I th- I'm thinking now about our brothers and sisters in China. Um, but when it we're deprived of our freedom, especially our freedom to worship, then that calls on this. We need the spirit of fortitude. You know, we can accept prejudice once in a while, realize that some people just don't understand. But when that prejudice takes away our dignity, when it strips of strips of our humanity, we no longer see the image of likeness of God and the person standing in front of us, then we need the gift of fortitude. And, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, right? Where he says, God's power is made perfect in weakness, right? It's when I'm weak, it's that I'm strong, because that's what Paul is calling on to get the fortitude. It's really related in many ways to the idea and the, the fruit of the Spirit being patience, right? Because fortitude uh, is, yeah. is being able, as you say, we can accept X, Y, or Z for a little while, but we need to be strong in the face of it. And that requires us to be patient, to know that there is something better, that there is an end to this persecution. There's an end to this uncomfortableness. There's an end to, like I would imagine when you're speaking and you're in front of a hostile audience, there's an end to the presentation and you will have a chance to be to remove yourself from that situation but patience is a fruit of the spirit that is related to this gift of the spirit which is fortitude yeah that's a great point ken because i I know for myself i'm often impatient during midst of trials and things like that right i just want to be over so i can get back to my life right like with COVID, right? With the pandemic started, like, what the heck is this thing? Okay, with well, two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Two weeks turns into two years. Right. You know, and I'm like, God, I just want this stupid thing to be over so I can get back to my life, you know, and get back to doing, you know, doing what God's called me to do. This is ridiculous. What's going on here? You know, but it really takes patience to get through that and to recognize, okay, what is God asking right now of me? I think that's an important thing to do in cooperating with the gift of fortitude, Ken, is to Say, okay, I'm in this situation right now. I don't want to be here, whether it's pain, whether it's uh, the deprivation of freedom, whether it's some kind of a prejudice, thing, whatever it is, we're facing something difficult. What is God asking of me in this moment? We don't think like that. We just want to just get it, just let it end, just let it make it stop. But the other thing I think we need to ask is, what is God saying to me? How is God speaking to me? What lesson? is God teaching me right now? Do I need to be more patient? Do I need to be more merciful and loving? Do I need to be more understanding? And it's that same gift of fortitude that helps us in those moments as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about this relationship then of fortitude. Again, the idea, we know that this will come to an end. We know that Christ is conquered. In the end, Christ has conquered all and all things will be brought to Christ, all things will be recapitulated in Christ. But it involves also a concept of trust as well, right? I need patience to survive right here, but I also need the gift of trust to trust that God indeed will fulfill these promises. It's related to hope, it's related to trust, which is faith, and it's also related to, in a way, knowledge, Another one of the great gifts of the Spirit is this knowledge that God indeed has a plan. God has already conquered. And so I wonder, again, as we kind of start to think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we see that they're much more deeply interrelated 
than perhaps the words on their face may appear. Uh, Is there a relationship between fortitude and, which seems to be much more focused on strength and patience, but is there a relationship between that and knowledge, which seems to be a head thing? Yeah, there is. For example, Ken, as you were talking, uh, the couple that's trying to have a baby, right? And they keep having miscarriages, mm-hmm. right? I'm thinking of the person that maybe is in prison for a crime they didn't commit, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, there was all this circumstantial evidence, but no direct evidence, but they were convicted anyway, they're, and they're falsely in prison. You know, I think about those situations, people with in chronic pain, where it goes on for years. Yes. I mean, they wake up in pain. They're in pain all day. They go to bed in pain. They wake up the next day. And this is their life. You know, so how is that related to knowledge? Okay, you know okay, that God is doing something here. And it's this gift of knowledge that helps us find, and using the language of the scriptures, right? The pearl of great price mm-hmm. that's often hidden in the soil of adversity. It sees the true wealth of life the love and friendship of God through Jesus, his son. But it's often hard to recognize that relationship in the midst of pain, right? And and, um, it's the gift of knowledge that helps us to recognize that God is there. God is present. God never takes away his love. He never stops holding us. He never stops being with us. Although it feels like it, we can be secure in the knowledge that God's love will never fail despite what we may be going through in our lives. I think of the, the woman who was sexually assaulted through no fault of her own. Um, you know, all these, all these things, you know, this is the stuff of life. The kids that, that stop going to practicing their faith, stop going to church, stop practicing their faith. And you're heartbroken as a parent, but that knowledge that God is in charge, God is in control. You know, that even in the midst of all this, God is working. You know, we just can't see the end of that road right away. And that's why we need that gift of of knowledge. Yeah. Again, it's related to trust. It's related to faith. It's also an act of hope to trust that God indeed will fulfill these promises, that God has a plan that has been worked out in Christ. And uh, we are the ones who are right now in this very moment needing to trust in him, to trust It's funny, I almost used to trust on, believe on Christ, which is something that you see when you're Mm. driving on the freeway. You know, I know it's a, I think it's a translation from from the King James Bible, uh, King James version of the Bible, believe on him and you will have eternal life. Um, And yet to stand on the promises of God is is a reality. It's where we place ourselves. Well, I, I don't want to say we place ourselves in the sense that I'm the one who brought myself to faith. I'm not. God, again, first reached out to us. God is the initiator of all of these great gifts. God is the one who put into our heart this little hole that is God-shaped, as St. Augustine says, right? Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, O Lord. And so God is the one who's initiating all these things. As I mentioned, I think, last week, and as, as that wonderful quote is, in this, God loved us first, and that while we were in sin, he reached out to us and invites us in. Much like we are constantly saying, God is inviting you right now, dear listener, to approach him, to accept the gift of his forgiveness. Go to reconciliation. Be healed. Be reconciled to God and to the church, and to be nourished then by the great 
gift of the Eucharist, our way bread for the journey in this pilgrim journey, the lemboss of today, if you will, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan. This is the that which the more we rely on Christ and upon his grace, the stronger we are, the more fortitude we have, the more knowledge we are filled with, knowledge of the love of God for each and every one of us. That's what this is all about, is calling us back to the sacraments, to relationship with him. Exactly. And the gift of knowledge also helps us to evaluate the things of the world, created things, at their true worth, right, in their relation to God. Right. Right. So it's the the gift of knowledge, okay, we know we need money, right? And it's a probably a good thing to have, you know, a substantial amount of money, not for the wealth, but because that will enable us to be able to help others, you know, to be of greater service to others. So it removes the pretense and reveals that the true purpose of created things and created goods as in service to God. It shows us the loving care of God, even in the midst of adversity, and directs us to glorify him in every circumstances of our life. You know, it's hard when you're evaluating material things, you're going through something difficult to say, you know, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Thank you, Lord. You know, like, whoa, what are you nuts? <laughs> you know, but that's exactly it. We're not possessed by things. We're possessed by God. And the gift of knowledge helps us to see things in their proper perspective and helps us direct those things toward the service of others, which is also connected to piety. <laughs> yeah, see, and again, we're coming back to these virtues are interrelated. It's not just, oh, I've got fortitude. Now I need to work on asking for and obtaining the gift of knowledge. And then I'm going to need to ask for and obtain the gift of piety. No, they are all interrelated because, of course, we are creatures who live in community with one another, members of the body of Christ, who help complete one another. There's complementarity, not just with our spouses, but also with among the people of God, right? St. Paul even talks about this when he, he talks about the, the great spiritual gifts in the in the letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians. He's talking about the many spiritual gifts, how they are for building up the people of God. And this includes the virtues. Now, we are given the great virtues and gifts of the Spirit for our own strengthening as disciples, but also in service to the entire church and in service to the community. But Deacon, I hate to say it, but we've actually run out of time for tonight. Um, And so we're going to have to, I know it happens because, uh, you know, you get talking about awesome things. The next thing you know, you look down, you're like, oh my gosh, my watch is is vibrating my wrist off. But uh, we invite you to connect with us via the Facebook. You just type in Living Stones Media. You can also download previous episodes of the show at materdeiradio.com. And when we gather next week, we're going to pick up this conversation because, you know, we've just talked tonight about fortitude and about knowledge, but we also want to talk about the idea of knowledge being different than the gift of understanding. So we're going to have to unpack that a little bit next week, which is a great way to continue our conversation throughout the month of uh, October. But Deacon, until we gather next week, might we have a blessing? Well, mighty God bless you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.